Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? Happy Saturday, my friend. Happy Saturday. How you doing? I'm good. We made it through another week, um, another gray, dreary week of January, but we got a very exciting CPI number on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, things are good. Yeah, it appears they... Front run it. They front ran it on on Wednesday. They got that number a little early, it appears, and jacked it all up. Um, yeah. No. Uh, well, you know, what's that thing about uh, never ascribe to conspiracy? What can be explained by uh, stupidity? Oh. Um, uh, you know, Monday I think is a day off in the financial markets. Yes. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King. Yes. May he rest in peace. Yes. Um, one of the uh, uh, reviews we received uh, claimed I was a racist, which uh, um, I was a little surprised in that I, I made fun of the Christians. Right, the Christians. Um, <laughs> That's a I, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, there's so a few of you. a wide swath of people. <laughs> 
Christians, please. One thing I, I've been, uh, I guess they wrote a book recently. So um, once again, this this reviewer mentioned that I mentioned a number of times that I'm Jewish. Um, yeah, I, you know, if you saw me, you wouldn't be surprised. In fact, not that long ago, I saw a profile picture of myself, which I had literally never seen. And I, I, I yelled at Cheryl. I'm like, how could you let me walk around my whole life with a nose like this? <laughs> but uh, as like we, we like to say, we proceed. Right, right. What, yeah. what, stri- what strikes me as odd is um, Jews are two-tenths of 1% of the population of the world. It's amazing. Yet, amazing. Yet, yet we're not considered a minority. It's incredible, really. The numbers are just a, like, yeah. Is it really? Is that the number? Is that a, like the the, the number? No, to, I, I, yeah, dude. It's I incredible. It. I don't know. Yeah, the amount of yeah. blame that you guys have received. The it, blame. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's yeah. you know you can play that from a lot of angles. If two tenths of one percent of the population of the world are the cause of your problems. Yeah, just just take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself. Yeah, does that make any sense? Oh man, really? No, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, well, it's, your, it's your cross to bear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That reminds me of that joke, uh, Cass's nails. <laughs> I, I no, you you remember it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, a lot of I, listeners. <laughs> There's a lot of listeners that might have missed that. Okay, so so here we so, are. Four so minutes. We, we're going to get the jokes here, out of the way. Here we are. So there's an old family business owned by the name of Cats, and they made nails of all different types. And the elder Cats decides he's going to retire to Florida and leave the hands. Uh, the business in the hands of the ne'er-do-well son. Mm-hmm. And so the father goes down to Florida. All of a sudden, the distribution stacks, stops, checks stop coming. And he gets a financial report from the son, and sales have fallen off a cliff. So he, he calls the son and says, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, we... We tried a new marketing campaign and it doesn't seem to be working. He said, well, show me the ad. And he sends him a JPEG and it's a picture of Christ on the cross. And underneath it, it says they used cats nails. <laughs> so the father loses his shit. He calls his son, take that fucking thing down immediately. Put something better up. I don't care what. It's just this just doesn't fly. Yeah. And the son says, Dad, I, I get it. I'm sorry. Straight away, I'll fix it. They hang up. Again, th- three months later, six months later, the distribution checks still not coming. <laughs> Father gets the financials. They're losing money hand over fist. And the father calls his son. And he said, what's going on? He goes, they gave us another marketing idea. I'll send you the JPEG. And now there's a picture of a cross with Jesus lying on the ground 
and the caption is they should have used Katz's nail. <laughs> Both highly effective. Yeah. So we might as well end the show right there. I don't you next, I don't... You next week, folks. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So um you know, uh there's one of these little market things amongst traders where you don't talk about your successes. It's it's bad luck. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I'm mindful of that and I'm very superstitious. Uh a number of us when we would drive to work, if we had a bad run, we'd park in different parking spots. Um, if we had a good run, we'd park in the same spot. I even got to the point where they used to have those cones, like those traffic cones. Mm -hmm. And if I was having a good run, I would get a traffic cone. And when I left, I put it in a slot. Some I'm people sure. thought, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, just, I'm taking a little latitude here. Old Chestnuts had a really good run here the first couple of weeks of the year. And I only say it because for, I don't know, two years, 18 months, I had to hear about fucking laser beams and laser eyes and you don't get it and you're a loser and yada, yada, yada. So um, I got some news uh, for our friends, uh, Tom Brady, Matt Damon, Giselle. Um, let me introduce you to the concept of a civil lawsuit. Okay. Now, um, to be clear, the bulk of the things I've come to understand in my life have very little to do with intellect, it mostly comes from experience. And as reminiscences of a stock operator will tell you, experience charges a tuition. And being that two-tenths of 1% that rule the world, we don't like paying tuition twice. So I try, I try and uh, remember these things. But uh, I have alluded to this in the past, uh, Big Ed and I, started a, a bar out in Montauk. And there, at the time, appeared to be some skullduggery involved. And so we uh, took the situation to arbitration because, of course, everyone knows arbitration is much quicker, much simpler, much less expensive, blah, 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 blah. Okay. By the way, all false, just so you know. Okay. It's like... It's somewhere between checks in the mail and. Dude, they have an ad on Bloomberg Radio, the arbitration counter. If you're running an ad on Bloomberg right after the crypto ad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So rough numbers. Ed and I uh, had half a buck up maybe between the two of us. We were over 500 grand in legal fees. This was so absurd to me. I spent 40, literally 40 hours going through the legal bill. I couldn't believe it could be true. How <laughs> could this possibly be? Right. And in the end, you know, yeah. price, price times quantity. And we were using a very 
middle of the road law firm in New York. So apparently Sullivan and Cromwell's got their snout in the trough somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um Dude, yeah. stop right there. Stop right there. Dude, you know the 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 conflict I saw a thing about the conflict of interest of Sullivan and Cromwell is that I want to get it right. Okay, this is it. Apollo Global. Apollo Global is trying to buy up the cheap, distressed FTX assets for pennies on the dollar. Apollo Global is run by Jay Clayton, formerly of the SEC. Okay. Okay. Sullivan and Cromwell have alliances with both Apollo and FTX and Jay Clayton. So you can't. They're all in the same pool, okay? So well, no matter what, Sol- Sullivan and Cromwell is getting paid. So um, the lawyers always get paid. That's number one. Um, I would, assuming your news is from the paper of record, the New York Post, I I would find this a little surprising if it were true. Uh, and let me explain why. And, and if I'm wrong... Mm-hmm. These guys are in deep shit, if I'm wrong. Okay. Before a law firm is supposed to take on a new client, they do what's called a conflict check. And they're supposed to make sure that they don't have any, you know, situations where they could be accused of uh, inappropriate uh, double dipping. So, Let's leave that to the experts. But if it is true, uh, it does set up for a bit of a dogfight. What I was more focusing on was, and um, doing deep research again, I rewatched the Tom Brady, Giselle uh, FTX commercial. And again, not being a lawyer, um, they clearly, 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 gave investment advice, full stop. Now, when you listen to many podcasts, I would say when you listen to any podcast, with the exception of Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, they give you this disclaimer. This is not investment advice. You know, no one should buy and sell securities based on, which is fucking bullshit because that's all it is is investment advice, right? But they think they can say, some boilerplate bullshit. Okay. We don't bother with that stuff because we give guidance based on our own experiences. I believe we've yet to name one security that you should buy or sell. And kudos to the young man that actually there was, there is one fellow who picked up on a little error I made, I was a bit uh, aggressive in commenting on something and this smart ass dug down deep and he pulled it out and he figured out what I was up to. So kudos for him. Yep. Uh, just so you know, I'm out of that security. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> and and as a public, uh, what's that? A public relations announcement? What do they call those things? Public service, service, public, public service. Public service Um, Inside baseball at Old Chestnut would recommend avoiding the municipal bond market. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens there. 
It's filled with road agents and thieves. <laughs> highly unstable, so, illiquid. Highly unstable, illiquid. Yeah. It's not meant for widows and orphans. Right, rife with you scandal. <laughs> Unbelievable. Scandal left, scandal right. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah. The fact that um, quite often they're cheap and you don't have to pay income tax, <laughs> pay no attention to that. Listen listen to a pro football player and right. his wife, who's famous for having very good yeah, personal yeah. hygiene. Right. And um, yeah, that's who you want to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stay away from yeah. the movies. <laughs> uh, especially I, I like the, the Brady commercial because he, this is how deep down the rabbit hole is. This mm -hmm. is how desperate he is. He calls his plumber who's lying <laughs> on his back. <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm in. Yeah, I know. So I told you those plumbers make a lot of money. That that plumber might have put a whole lot, a whole big chunk of cash in on that. Gone. <laughs> well, he's going to end up with more than Tom Brady, right? Because uh, you know they may or may not, yeah. they may or may not uh, have a criminal action. I don't know. Not my business. But I'd be very surprised if somebody doesn't come after Matt Damon. Fortune favors the brave. I mean, you know, actually, who better than Larry David? He fucking nailed it. <laughs> he really it's did. It's like, at the end of the, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's just so on know. brand. It, it was just perfect. It was really, it was just perfect. <laughs> uh, so there were a lot of elements in the news. Um, I was really just so heartbroken to see uh, the poor words written about that icon of integrity, of honesty, of intelligence, uh, Michael Novogratz. Um, <laughs> did you see that? The Puff piece in the journal? Was it in the Wall Street Journal? Uh, you know, Puff is a matter of perspective. <laughs> now, so this is what caught my eye. I believe it said he was let go from Goldman for uh, behavioral or okay. something like that. Okay. So it begs the question, if the head of the company talks about a blow job, mm -hmm. gets fined $12 million and doesn't get fired, what did Novo do? <laughs> it, it, and this is 10 years ago, like before, before everyone was woke, you, you really had to do something. <laughs> Yeah, the, 10 years ago is about the time we had the invention of the copy machine room. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, yeah. I was wondering, have you heard anything about uh, Paul Pelosi? I wonder how he's doing. I saw a list of his trades this week. Um, you know, the, oh. their, their family office posts post their trades. Um, yeah, oh, really? Just, yeah, they're so active, dude. It's just incredible. Um, and the amount of information available that you can can you that you can track, like the Pelosi portfolio tracker, it's it's just amazing. It really is. Well, I was more concerned about that incident where he and a young man were standing in his foyer in a in his house. Yep. And was it Paul had a hammer in his hand? I think so. And, and the young man took and the hammer him. and hit him, hit him in the head. Yes, right. Yeah. So I, we had some guests in town. 
And these are second order thinkers. Mm-hmm. So we're having dinner at a restaurant, which we can discuss in a minute because mm-hmm. the restaurant fucked it up. But anyway, um, I posed the question, why did Paul Pelosi have a hammer in his hand? And everyone looked at me waiting and I said, because he never won a bowling trophy. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to think about that one for a while. <laughs> but I digress. Um, so uh, you're a man of uh, experience in fine dining. Yeah, yeah. And it, at some point, mm-hmm. at some point, uh, it became de rigueur to show up to a fancy restaurant, walk up to the hostess desk, and there would be three skinny young women dressed scantily, mm-hmm. staring not making eye contact, but staring at a computer screen. Mm-hmm. Are, are you familiar with this? Happened to me at Pastis last week. Okay. Like I wasn't so, even there. <laughs> like you weren't even there, right? Yep. And you and you had your two daughter with you. Yep. Like I'm standing there with the kid. Yep. I was like, hold on just a minute. I said to Fiona kind of loudly to like make my presence known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um. anyway, there's a... Uh, near Pasties in the former meatpacking district is that place Catch, mm-hmm. which was owned by Mark and Eugene, who are two uh, New York restaurateurs. They're nice men from mm-hmm. my limited experience with them. But not long ago, I met a friend of mine, uh, Kurt, at the uh, uh, catch mm-hmm. and um i show up and i was properly comported i had my ascot chang uh dress shirt on i had my uh, gilberto sport coat i was probably wearing a some nice sort yam- of nice yarmulke. <laughs> yeah nice yarmulke on my head big nose <laughs> uh and i walk up to the desk and i'm like you they pay no attention to me i Excuse me. Um, I'm here to meet uh, my friend Kurt. And without looking up, without looking and making eye contact at me, the woman says, you can wait in the bar. Now, you remember, you ever seen the movie Terminator? Yeah. Where he like, he's walking and someone says something. And, and in his mind, he gets a list of five choices yep, yep. of what to say. Okay. First thing that comes to mind for old chestnut is I'm going to say it. <laughs> Fuck you, cunt. Yeah. Okay. But I realize, I realize not going to go well for old <laughs> chestnut. Right. So I decide to, you know, take a deep breath and I, um, okay, I'll go wait in the bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a lot going on here. So, um, you know, you have this whole thing about women and taking themselves seriously and they want to be professionals and you're not supposed to objectify them. Why are women taking these jobs? You know? Yeah. It's all, it's all about women's rights. Yeah. And okay. And that's number one. Number two, the second thing is, 
the brouhaha about the war in Afghanistan, right? Think about, you hear a peep about those poor Af Afghani women now? You know what they are? They're, 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 they're sex slaves. Totally, yep. Yeah, can't go, you know, to the, can't go to school anymore. I don't know. Nothing. The only people who get treated half as bad as them are the Apple employees in Foxconn, China. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm on a roll. I, you know, last <laughs> week I was on a good mood. Today I'm in a bad mood. All right, tell me about they... how they botched it at dinner. Would they? Would how the restaurant botched dinner? What you had? You had four people. How did they fuck that up? Four, four people. So they take us to the third floor. Oh. First thing I do, first thing I do is I sit on the chair. The chair is broken. <laughs> now this is a place with eighty dollars steaks. This is not. This yep. is not Mayberry RFD. Yep. Yep. At Floyd's Diner or Barbershop, okay. right? Okay. Yep. So it takes about ten minutes to get someone's attention. Said, "Excuse me," and it, they kind of grunted at me, and I uh. and I said, uh, "I'm sorry. I, I needed a little help." It's like, you know, what do you want? I said, "Well, I'd like a chair that's not broken." Okay, so they bring the chair. We order drinks. To my right, there's a table of ten. Oh, okay, yep. and of course, yelling and screaming. Yep. yep. Very low ceiling, and um, <laughs> they finish their first course. The bus boy walks over, plops down the stand, plops down the metal tray, and what's he start doing? He starts flipping the dirty dishes on this metal tray mm -hmm. and it's banging. I mean, we're not talking a yard from me. It's yep. like in your two elbow. feet. Yep. Right. Bang, bang, bang. And I, I'm trying to hear two Jewish women and a soft spoken <laughs> Christian man. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm numb. I'm completely yeah, you numb. Hear him, you okay. can't even hear him say okay. grace before dinner. <laughs> no, no, we did hold hands. Okay, good. So we get kind of through that. Yeah. And then now, now I'm hypersensitive to the chair, right? And as people walk by, we're, of course, right on the place where all the traffic is. Yeah. As, as people walk by, my chair is moving. Now, I was a designated driver. I was drinking Diet Cokes. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had a gummy in 48 hours. So I'm pretty confident I'm lucid. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I just, this is, it can't be happening. <laughs> and so I, I, I am, um, this is, this is priceless. <laughs> so at this point, the waitress comes up and she says, Welcome. Good evening. <laughs> Have you ever been here before? And I said, No, but it's a restaurant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, I mean, what 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 kind of answer? What what kind of what do you do? I no I'm not, what do you do here? Did she How laugh? Nothing. Do you think she laughed? <laughs> I would have been in stitches. <laughs> We're off to a good start, sir. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, after that, I said, "Could I could I see the manager?" And because uh, this this, I'm afraid. The building's going to collapse, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the guy comes over and I said, look, we're off to a rough start. I just, I got to get one thing off my chest. 
every time somebody walks by me, I feel like I'm going to fall off my chair. Yep. And he he deep sigh. Listen, the third floor is not level because they have like this little pond pool kind of thing. Not, not it's it's aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or as I say to my two Jewish uh, lady friends there, hey, what do you know? They got a mikvah bath in a restaurant. <laughs> if you're Jewish, this is very funny. Right, if you're right, not, right. look it up. Anyway, so the guy sighs and he said, because of the pool, the floor is unstable. Yeah, yeah. So we put down uh, trap rock <laughs> and every couple of months, we come and re-level the floor. So you've got this floor with yes. and 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 you're not talking about sand, right? You 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 know construction. Yep, it's yep. it's trap rock. Why <laughs> would you use trap rock? Is it's that also dumb. known? Is that also known as item four? Yeah, yeah, same. It's slightly okay. different. Yeah, they're aggregate stones. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I item four is what they use. For putting in temporary roads. Yep, correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. I, I like to have my You're technology, right. right? So, um, anyway, uh, so you got a lot of chair. The floor. What? Yeah. Water. Yeah. So, what the do you do? What do you do for you? Do you fix it? <laughs> you give you a shim? <laughs> <laughs> That's a. That, let me leave the shims to Paul Pelosi. Okay, <laughs> um. He apologized, and they yeah. treated us to dessert. Of course, being keto, I, there's nothing for me. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, we got a lot of comments from uh, listeners this week. Um, not all bad. No, we got no. a couple of nice. Uh, we did actually, this was two weeks ago, one of the commenters um, I thought was very generous with his praise. In fact... I know this this resonated with you as well. He thanked us for introducing him to fish that he has not only started to binge watch it, he reconnected with his brother that he had not had mm -hmm. I guess been in touch with, but it really they went to a fish concert together and solidified their love for each other. And and so, you know, you and I, this is <clears throat> this is what we set out to do, to to change people's lives one person at a time for the better. Right. Yep. yep. And um, uh, so I've, I felt really good about that. I hope you did, too. I did. No, that was uh, that was the absolute pinnacle of our success thus far as a radio show, I think, is that we have turned one um person onto the fish and of course the derivative effect with his brother but the real the highlight of that is that we've we've re we've reeled someone into into our into our net um so yeah uh, i did read uh on fish.net that a psychiatrist training to be a psychoanalyst believes fish music is therapeutic and I can personally attest to being in a bad mood and listening to, for instance, the opening of today's show, Character Zero. How can you 
yeah. not listen to that. You know, mm-hmm. I was born a month ago. Yep. You know, pay yep. attention to things and take it slow. Yep. Yeah. Or yep. the iconic, have a cup of coffee and catch your breath. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so these are all, these are all life lessons. Yeah. Um, apparently, have a cup of coffee and catch your breath doesn't apply a Goldman Sachs this week where uh, a number of people were laid off. Yeah. You know, um, oddly enough, I don't, you probably didn't catch this eye because I know you've got a lot of balls in here. The number's a bit debatable, but apparently the folly that DJ Saul went on lost the firm between 1.2 and $3 billion. Oof. Now, for little Timmy in the corner with the, you know, with the lame leg who studied to become a CFA yep. to get a job at Goldman Sachs, because that's what was the most important thing to him to prove he could be a real mm-hmm. person. You know, he wanted to prove to the world he was capable. And he finally got that job at Goldman. Yeah. And some old guy spinning records decided he wanted to engulf and devour the world of jp morgan lost three billion dollars and little timmy lost his job yeah um you know he'll he'll be okay um one of my children who shall name remain nameless is all three of my kids i've been very very blessed and I give all the credit to their mother. Uh, you know, I'm referred to as Uncle Daddy, but uh, <laughs> you can tell by looking at him that I had part of the process. Right, right. Uh, the good part, you know, the seek the secret ingredient part. Continue, please. Continue. <laughs> One of them was having a little question about the career, and you know, we discussed it. And I, you know, a lot of this stuff is. Uh, when you're young and you're new, you you get to shit work, right? And uh, I, as a parent, you don't want to see any of your children unhappy. Uh, but as I said earlier in the show, you know, you when you've been around, you see what happens, and you try and as best you can reassure them that uh, uh, this is part of the process. If you believe in the process. It will all come right. However, this is for those young analysts at Wall Street. I do not have encouraging news for you. Okay. Um, Well, I guess it depends on your perspective. Okay. I'm forecasting five years of bad business for Wall Street which means people are going to get laid off. The people who have jobs are going to be grumpy. The backbiting, the night of the long knives, that stuff's going to be vicious. Okay. The good news is, I, I, I would paint this as good news, was when I started back uh, just after they – um, developed the ticker. Before that, we used semaphore flags to communicate 
they did actually do that. Not not in my day, but they yeah. used to communicate price. You can look it up. And I know you will. Um, <laughs> but you knew you were going to make a decent living. But a decent living, not a great living. Okay. And you were going to look work long hours. Okay. And long days. And if you need a real example, I've said this before, for you young analysts, imagine instead of using Excel spreadsheets, everything you did, you do it by hand on a piece of paper, which I did. And I've shown you the, I've shown you those things, right? Yep. 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 Okay. So I'm not saying I had to walk uphill to school both ways in the snow with no shoes. I'm just saying I got into the business because I love the business and the work was hard. And when you were young, it, you know, go pick up a pizza, go get me a pack of cigarettes, add up these fucking column of numbers. Yeah. You know, but I, I couldn't get enough of it, you know? Um, so if you came out of pick, top 20 school and you got an analyst job and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this because of the money. Uh, I'd rethink my approach because if you like the work. Yep. Awesome. Um, I'm like, Oh, for 10, by the way, on young people I've met who have these jobs are like, I love my fucking job. <laughs> All I hear about is whining and bitching about the hours and the, this and that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. And, you know, there's that joke. Uh, it's a little bit of a joke, but I mean, you, you've experienced this. You get emails from me at two in the morning or three in the morning, right? Four, four. You, four is your wheelhouse. Four o'clock, like you've you've gone to sleep at nine thirty, and you're up at four, four thirty. Something's going yeah. on, coming in. <laughs> that, that that that's only because I'm too embarrassed to send them to you at two o'clock. <laughs> that you know that's what it takes yeah that's what it takes to succeed in this business yeah if you don't want to do that i get it i mean look i i i don't know what to say yeah you know there's a reason there's a reason some people do better than others yeah you know as i said the other day you know look at what people do who are successful Copy yeah. what you can figure out and then yeah. throw brute force at it. So, you know, uh, in my world, um, my friend Leslie Harris, I, I arguably his biggest fan. Okay. Yet over the years, we've not always seen eye to eye and sure. good friends may disagree. Yeah. So Leslie once said something along the lines of, if you're ever in an interview and they ask you what your edge is, it's a stupid question. You should leave. At least that's my recollection of what he said. Now, this is why I beg to differ. Uh, maybe an interview isn't the right place for that question. But um, to me, uh, after all these years, and uh, I won't talk about my experience, because I was accused of talking about how smart I am. What I've observed in successful traders, 
okay, is they have a methodology. They have an approach. They have a way of looking at a market and formulating a way to go into that marketplace and make money. And so to me, I would define that as what's their edge. This is my edge. I stick to what I know. I stay away from what I don't know, <clears throat> crypto. And, um, you know, when you do those things, okay, it becomes as, as simple as a math, a math game. Now, what I love to go back to is this concept of flipping coins. Because everybody thinks they understand how coin flipping works, right? I mean, mechanics aside, you toss a coin in the air, half the time it's heads, half the time it's tails. I suppose some Ivy Tower professor will tell you some percentage of the time it lands on its side, although as Yogi Bear would probably have a comment for, I wouldn't bet that way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to the untrained eye, you would say many of these things are are random, and, and they are. Um, another word for random, which is used, and it's a racist word, um, stochastic. To me, a stochastic process means something that's random. Okay. You with me so far? Yep. Okay. So when I watched this video by the Scottish professor a number of years ago, he talked about flipping coins and how, you know, you flip a coin once, it could be heads or tails. Then he says, if you flip it 10 times, what do you expect? And I, I've, I've repeated this many times, you know, some people say 50-50, 60-40, 40-60. But he showed a table, which I at one point posted it on our website, where if you flip a coin five or 10,000 times, you get long experiences where it's way offsides, meaning way more heads and tails or way more tails and heads, out to 10,000 flips, which is in the grand scheme of things, it's either a minimal amount of flips or it's an infinite amount of flips. But in our world, it's a minimal amount of flips. So wh why do I go this route, okay? If you look at the markets and your best case is you find something and it's 50-50, okay? I reserve the right to retract this at any point because yep. this is all Always. off the cuff. Always. But if you can find something that's trending, okay, the case I just talked about where you get these random flips, right? You let them run for long periods of time. And if you get into a situation where the market's just going sideways, you stay away. And now... This kind of reverts to a comment I made about algorithmic trading last week where I said you can't make money at it. And one of our readers very politely and delicately gave me some gentle pushback um, and said there are examples of algorithmic traders who make money. And, uh, you know, fair enough. 
you know, I tend to get over my skis on the show sometimes. But Jim Simons and Medallion. <laughs> well, you know, so in algorithmic trading is they set up a trading rule, okay, and then they follow it. And a lot of these rules, I can't say all of them, but a lot of them are generated by some guy, you know, wetting his finger, sticking his finger in the air and said, you know, I noticed when dollar yen does this, mm -hmm. third month euro dollar futures do that. And then they get a quant and they say, go research this. And the quant comes back and says, unbelievable. And the last 10 years, that's worked 80% of the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Huzzah. And then they go and do it, and they're yeah. making money, making money, making money, and something happens, i.e. the exogenous event, and they get their nads blown off, okay? Doesn't always happen. Some guys mm -hmm. make money. But yeah. my experience was, let's say, well, I'm a pretty simple guy. If it worked, we'd have been doing nothing but algorithmic trading. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm I'm lazy. If they work through <laughs> that, but you know, so going back to this notion of uh, finding something that's trending, um, I, I I think that's one of those things that people who are focused on the deep thinking ivory tower view. They like to pontificate about deep theories of the marketplace, and and that's all well and good. But you know, I I've, I've always tried to make the distinction between a trader and investor. One's not better than another. Okay, what I object to is the investor pretending he's a trader. Okay, traders rarely pretend to be investors, unless you're failures like Warren Buffett or Howard Marks or Seth Klarman. Yeah. Those losers, they don't get it. Yeah. But but I digress. Um, coming back to this notion of trading, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. In the world of old chestnut, there's only one thing that matters in trading. It's your fucking P&L, Okay. I, I contend if I found a QB doll on the side of the road and I discovered that sticking pins in it made money for me, I'd just be buying more QB dolls and more pins and seeing how much I could amp that up. Yeah, until it right? stops. Yeah. 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 Uh, still looking for that thing <laughs> in the meantime. Um, but, uh, you know, that uh, let's never lose sight of the fact that you know, this is about making money. This is about the self-discovery. And, you know, I, I think I went a little too deep last week when I talked about the soup nah, situation. Dude, that, that, that story was awesome, dude. I repeated it to Amy. I let her listen to it. And I got stuff from people that like, and you even you second guessed it. And I, dude, that's, that's as good of a story as you've told <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, you, 
Dude, you you did a good job. Number one, you did a good job telling your story. All right. So like, I, like I'm sitting there tense. I'm sitting there with you and Mark tense, wondering what your mother's going to say. I'm trying to think of the answer. Is it hot or cold? And like living through that with you shines that light into the the decision making process that you carried with you like for the rest of your life. And like, dude, people will not forget that soup story. So like if some listener comes up to me in the street and was like, was the soup hot or cold? I know what he's talking about. You know? Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome. Stop stop second guessing that. I'm I'm delighted you got something out of it. Take it from me. It wasn't that much fun being there. <laughs> right, that but you but like you made that clear, like dude. I was like holding my breath. I'm like, ah, fuck. You let the soup get cold. Like, what are you gonna do here? <laughs> what are you, I, yeah, it's like yeah, I, I yeah, I'm carrying that one with me. But um, there's a, and I don't want to turn this into a woe is me thing. But sometimes these stories can be accretive, right? So um, through either luck or political savvy. I ended up managing traders at a far too young age. Okay. I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have the experience. But as so often happens on Wall Street, as you can see at Goldman Sachs, they promote people who aren't qualified for the role. And I was an example of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, at 27 or 28, I got put in charge of some traders and I learned a lot of things, but it wasn't until I got to Greenwich capital where the numbers got in, even in today's sense, the numbers got real, meaning like, like you read about not the hundred million dollar stuff that didn't really exist back then, but other than that, real, real, real numbers. And so um, this is where, I started to understand the significance of behavioral economics. Uh, As Charlie Munger says, if economics aren't behavioral, I don't know what they are. But let's take a trader and let's say it's trader X. And so you give him some capital and he does a good job. And so uh, as I've explained numerous times, we got paid off of what we made. There wasn't a little love you long time bonus at the end if things didn't go well. It was effectively a goose egg. Mm-hmm. And the salaries in relation to our income were goose eggs, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you don't make no money, you don't get no money. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I love that because it took a lot of anxiety out of it. And, you know, as a boss, it was really pretty easy too. But uh, one of the things I found uh, was this, which is people have different, let's call them indifference points. So when I went to college uh, in economics, they talked about trade-off between income and leisure. So at what point are you willing to give up a dollar profit to have a a dollar equivalent of leisure. And they talked a bit about it. I don't remember exactly what the professor said, but I kind of remembered that. And so I got into real life situation where you'd have a trader and he'd have a good year. So let's say we have trader X and let's say by June, 
he's made so much money. He knows he's getting a massive bonus. Mm -hmm. And now he's got to decide, am I going to sit here for six months twiddling my thumbs because I don't want to lose any money, right? Mm -hmm. Or do I decide, hey, there is no amount of money that I'm going to quit trading, right? And so as a manager, if somebody early in the year gets up a lot of money, they have committed resources. So now I got a guy doing nothing, but he's tying up resources. Well, my job is to maximize, you know, income, right? So part of me had to figure out ways to find out where those indifference points were for people. And um, this isn't as dramatic as the soup story was, but, you know, my, uh, so I was born in 1960 and in the, late 60s, early 70s, I think, there was a really wicked recession around the time of the the oil embargo with our friends from Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. uh, helping us out, jacking up the price. Um, And my father was out of work. And uh, we never missed a meal, but there was huge, there was huge anxiety about what's going to happen Next, like, is dad going to get a job? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, my mother wasn't capable of working. Uh, there were some whispers about we might lose the house. So in the back of my mind, you know, there was, on top of everything else, there was this financial insecurity. And as a child, it was hard to reconcile because my parents were like many people living in Greenwich living way above their means, going heavily into debt. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm, you know, 10 or 12, trying to understand if you're having trouble making the mortgage payment, why are you going out to dinner four nights a week, right? So, but at 12, you you don't have that. You don't understand that people are idiots and they don't know how to control consumption. So when I started trading, I became one of these guys that would get to an inflection point where I would pull up the reins trading because the dollar, risking a dollar to make another dollar became too painful for me. And I and I look back and the biggest juncture in my career came around the year 2000 let's say, because by then I had really accumulated enough money and I was 40 then that, you know, I didn't really need to worry about the money. Uh, But I could never let go of that anxiety. I wouldn't call it fear. wasn't fear, but anxiety of, of losing money. And uh, even, even to this day, you know, when I put positions on um, and nothing I do is going to jeopardize my future. You know, I, I'm always a little bit too eager to take profits and uh, I don't stay with stuff long enough. And yeah. But let's go back to Leslie's Edge, right? And 
uh, the things I've talked about where decision-making process, um, understanding your inflection point. Um, I contend if you're bright between getting textbooks, talking to traders, watching the markets, I don't think there's any real secrets out there, okay? I, I think you go back to, it's a series of these stochastic processes or random processes and your ability to understand your skill set, your mindset, and how you manage those things. And um, I don't think I've done a master's class in explaining the psychology of this, but uh, what I found for me, the biggest incremental jumps in PL, where I, I, I got to higher levels of consistently making money, there were a couple of big moments. One was when I stopped writing the fucking tickets. Okay, two reasons. One is writing tickets, it's, it's as much fun as a barrel of monkeys, okay? Waste of time. There's, there's very, for anybody who knows how the market works, writing tickets is not a creative, okay? You're better off thinking, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And by the way, plenty of people are going to be a lot better than you in executing trades anyway. Secondly, with the writing, not writing any tickets, I don't know what it is, but having to, in a room with other people, turn to someone and say, buy 500 million five year notes or sell 300 million two year notes, mm -hmm. just having to say it out loud, just increase that little extra making sure you were confident with what, mm -hmm. with what you were doing. Yeah. Okay. So that was uh jump number one, but I think the biggest jump and this really came late in my career and have benefited me more with my personal trading rather than uh, uh, the commercial trading. Cause I, I stopped trading and, 2013 is this understanding of your own psychology and um i i don't know uh i mean i keep a little sheet about how i did just because you know i'm an obsessive compulsive type a guy but i must be doing okay because i got more money than when i left yeah, yeah. and uh you know Losing that big tailwind of the primary dealer, crushing blow, you know, quad arrow demonstrata. Um, yeah, I, I'm by the way, I'm never gonna let go of that one. For I those know. of you who are sick of hearing me talk about it, and it, it, it I it, hope it, that it guy just, still, I hope he still listens because because that would be the payoff for him is that he knows that he's he got under your skin. So, like, if he if he checked out and he's not here, he's, he's, not he's still in my kitchen. He's still in my kitchen. Okay. So I have 18 years of P&Ls from Greenwich Capital. Mm -hmm. I kept them, you know, like not every day, but, yeah, but okay. every month. I, okay. You have it handy. So, so if there were 20 primary dealership traders and 10 proprietary traders, 
over those years, 90% of the primary dealer traders made money, okay? And 50% of the proprietary traders made money. Now, I know statistics are worthless and they don't mean anything, but that's that's how you bet. Okay. So, um, you know, this new format, by the way, you, maybe you explain to the audience that I fucked up when we switch studios <laughs> by getting you the audio file. Okay. <laughs> well, that's on me. I, it works. You know, it works now. It works. Okay. Well, that's what you get when you hire nine union labor. Gabs, I know. I know. <laughs> but I have no idea. How long have we been talking for? 59 minutes exactly. You got a good internal clock. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's because I got to pee. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh now. Wait yeah. till you're 60. Oh, dude, I've been waking up at night and I, 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 I voiced my concern to my wife the other night. I was like, why am I? I was like, I feel like Morris. I'm getting up in the middle <laughs> of the night. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, I got. I was like, "What is going on?" I was like, "Feel like, can I not have my eight o'clock Sanka anymore?" I was like, "I'm getting up at <laughs> two o'clock, stubbing my toe, kicking the cat. It's a nightmare." <laughs> you think it's bad? Um, here, here, here's a challenge. Try this. Go do a Wednesday night ride, and then see how you do. Oh, please, please. Um. Are you? Are we in a new bull market? Can you answer that question for me? Is this the? Is are we? Is the past? Are we done? Have we touched the bottom, or are we? Are we off to the races? Is this the new bull market? In what? <laughs> in equities. No. Oh. Okay. No. In fact, it, it, can I go over a little bit? Just Please. Two I got no just, yeah, I got just two minutes. Okay. So somebody asked about gold. Okay. First of all, okay. I know nothing about gold. I've proven that. You've seen me in action for two years. Zero ability with gold. Right. Okay? Get that off the table. Throw that in the bucket with oil, something <laughs> else, and, and restaurants. So now we know three things right. that when everything else falls apart, I'm not yeah. turning to. Yeah. Um, there's a few people I really like, and a couple of people... I'm mediocre on, okay? They're all lined up now pretty much the same way. And you may argue you fade the consensus, but these aren't the free schmoes you read about. Like one guy, I, I mean, I, I pay a lot of money for this research, and they're all lined up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They think inflation has turned. They think if we're not in a recession, we will be one by the end of next year. And, and one of those recession callers is JP Morgan. So you know when a bank's calling for a recession, there's gonna be a recession. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, they think inflation's coming down. They think equity markets are going to be lower. They like gold and they like fixed income assets. I I happen to agree with that for whatever reason, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, we can talk more about that next week if we have any listeners left. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's great to see you, buddy. I want to uh, thank Anthony Peters for plugging the show. Thank you very much, Anthony. I know you're listening. I read your notes every morning, um, and I want to thank you for 
serving me up that meatball with the Winklevoss twins that I just, I mean, that was just an easy slam to hit. Um, So yeah, I want to say thank you and hello to Anthony. Um, And yeah, it's been a pleasure to see you, my friend. Um, Mike Wilson, Morgan Stanley, my man, Mike Wilson says that we still got 20% down to go. So that's. That's like that bath and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) You show up to the New York stock exchange with one of their coupons. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you next week. All right. Take care. All right. Bye.